Amen. Would you stand to your feet if you would with me? Say, God cares about the details of my life. Let's read together Psalms 103, verse 2 through 5. If you'll see it on the screen. We'll give him a second to put it up there. Ready? One, two, three. Bless and affection. Praise the Lord. All your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to stop you. I want us to do it again. But this time, instead of saying you, I want you to make it personal. Who forgives me of all my sins? Who heals me of all? Can we do that again? Ready? Let's start at the verse 2 again. One, two, three. Bless and affectionately praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Who forgives all of my sins? Who heals all my diseases? Who redeems my life from the pit? Who crowns me lavishly with loving kindness and tender mercy? Who satisfies my years with good things so that my youth is renewed like the soaring eagle? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Father, we thank you today. You are so good. You're beyond our understanding, our expression. And yet you still love us so deeply. Move upon our hearts. Move within the areas of our life. We open up the door. Jesus, you are the word. As the word goes forth, let it not be my words, but let it be your word. And as it knocks on the door of our lives... In any air, we open up because we know that you are the good God, that you bring benefits, that you make a difference. Father, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. I ask you to bless them, touch them, minister to them. Whatever you desire. But let them walk away today better than they walked in. Whatever they need, I don't know, you know. But let them walk away better than they came in. We love you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the praise. Holy Spirit, move as you desire. And everyone said, amen. Turn around and greet two, three people again. You may be seated. Wow, again, what a fantastic crowd of people today. God bless you. Good to see you today. Today I want to emphasize on this one. Who forgives all our sins, we've talked about that. Who heals us of all our diseases. Say, Jesus is my healer. You guys are just like awesome. I don't know what to do. I'm like, you are, usually it takes time to warm people up. And you're, say, Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my healer. Hallelujah. Now, I know uh, in different Christendom, different churches, different circles, you can call it what you want, there's different mindsets, different teachings. That's why we've developed a culture at Hope Church. I want you to challenge everything that's ever spoken to you when it comes in regards to your life and eternity and the things of God. Ask, you know, the simple question, where is that in the Bible, can solve a lot of conversations. Oh, this, where, where is that in the Bible? It's amazing how people, and, and I'm not blaming them and I'm not condemning them because I think we've all been in this boat at one time of our lives, if not more, where we adopt and adapt ide- ideologies and thoughts and concepts, and we apply them because they've been implemented by someone else in our life, someone we love or respect or trust, and yet those people, not that they were trying to do wrong, sometimes they were uh, miscommunicating or misunderstood what the Bible says, and sometimes it's the matter, the Bible tells us to study to show ourselves approved, and so I want to take time today, and I want to talk about healing 
is still for today. God is still a healer. He's still a deliverer. He's still a a miracle-working God. And the devil knows that he, he doesn't want the church to understand God's power in us, for us, and to us, and through us. And so what an what a, a interesting tactic to convince people in the church world that God no longer answers prayers, that God no longer demonstrates his power, that God no longer, and if you're in that boat today, I'm not trying to debate with you, I'm not trying to confront you, I'm trying to encourage you. We've all been in that boat at one time. But can we look at what the Bible says? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Well, my church believes. It doesn't matter what your church believes. Well, my denomination believes. It doesn't matter what your denomination believes. Well, my uncle used to believe. I don't, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't even matter what I believe. It matters what the Bible says. And you, we have to come to a place of priority that, God, your word is the final say. Your word is the final say. Well, I knew somebody. It doesn't matter what you knew, somebody who knew somebody whose cousin that lived across the street down by the creek had had this happen. We don't even know their names, and we'll have stories. We'll have stories. Oh, I remember. What about this? And they'll have stories. But at the end of the day, we don't build our lives on the stories. We build our lives, Jesus said, anyone who hears my word and obeys them is as someone who builds their life on the word. And so we got to keep reminding ourselves that so-and-so might have said that, but so-and-so might not have seen the full picture. Come on, somebody. They might have talked to that person or heard about the story of that person, but they weren't there. And even if they were there, they probably still don't know all the details. Because we look to the outside, God told Samuel, but God looks to the heart and the inside. And we're not here to judge people, but we're here to broaden and say, this is what God wants to do. This is what's possible. I shared last week how... We, the staff, we're prepping and already preparing for January where we're going to do a 21-day fast as a church at 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And I'm excited. I, I have such a level of excitement on the inside in regard to that I know it's God because, number one, I like to eat. So anytime you get excited about getting ready to go into a 21-day fast, you know it's got to be Jesus. Come on, somebody. I'm just being real with you. I like to eat. People say, hey, where do you want to go eat at? It don't matter. Pick a place. It it don't matter. Do you like this? Yes. What about that? Yes. Do you like Chinese? Yes. Mexican? Yes. Steak? Yes. Hamburgers? Yes. Now, some of you vegans out there are going to be mentally arguing with me, and you're going to send me an email, but please don't. I like to eat. I love Jesus. And Jesus loves me. But during the 21-day fast, what the Lord dropped in my spirit last Sunday when I was uh, ministering, which we didn't have planned out at all, but it was the fact of, as a church, we're going to pray and believe for the impossible. Not the easy, not the low-hanging fruits. Someone's phone is ringing. You can go ahead and answer him. Tell him I said hi. Tell them you're in church. You'll talk to them later. Now I have another story. So I'm going to wrap you around with this story. So my wife and I, we went to see a movie one time. I'm sorry, I'm picking on my wife, and I don't mean to. I sure love her. And, uh, and you know, the movie, they always say, uh, please silence your cell phone. And she had this ringer on her phone when someone called. And it would go, message. Then it get a little louder, message. Then it get a little louder, message. And it would, have you ever seen, heard that ringer? And it builds up, and eventually the person's just ballistic. Message! And so we're watching this uh, movie that she drugged me to. Hallelujah. Um, and so it gets to the you know, lower part of the volume of the movie, and all of a sudden I hear, message. And I went, oh, no. And she didn't move. And I went, message. I'm like, baby, get your phone. She goes, it's in my purse. It's below. I can't even find it. It's too, you're making all this stuff. It's too dark. I said, you better get message. I said, you better get it. They're going to kick us out of this place. Message. <laughs> Tell them good morning and thank you for calling. <laughs> Who heals all your disease. Oh, let me get back to it. So we're believing during January that... And this was on my heart, that we're going to believe 
uh, as a church for the impossible. I don't want to believe for low-hanging fruit. I'm believing for a 3% raise. Praise God. Let's believe for something big. Be thinking about God. What do you want me to pray and believe for? And as a church, we want, we're going to be having, we're going to open up. We have a lot of different slots on uh, Wednesday that we're praying. My, my goal is one day to have prayer meetings every day, every day, five days a week. Worship services five days a week. The word being taught five days a week. So, but, so we have several on Wednesdays, but we're going to open up more during the week, during the fast. But if you got prayer requests, you know what I mean, we're going to ask you for them because we want to join our faith with you for the impossible. Amen. Impossible. Amen. You know what I mean? Something just crazy amazing. Like, you get married. I'm joking. So some of you are like, <laughs> you're too ugly to get married. Just, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. It was... And all the ugly people get mad at me when I say stuff like that. <laughs> all the pretty people are laughing right now. And right now, everybody started laughing. And you're, they're praying for me over there. Help them, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. No, but on a serious note, you're thinking about, Lord, what do you want me to be going in the fast about? What do you want me to be praying? We want to believe God for the impossible. And I really think that's what it really should be because we're supposed to, we honor God by operating at a level of faith. Faith is what pleases him. Without, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we shouldn't come to church and have somebody tell us that it's going to be okay. We need to come to church and saying, you hear from the word of God that this is the level that God says you can get to. And you're like, I don't see that's possible. I know Abraham, but it's going to work. I know David, but you're going to be king. I know Mary, but you're going to have a baby. God is the God of impossible. We, where do we stop believing for the impossible? The ver- I mean, you're like, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe God can do the impossible. How did you even get saved? That's impossible. Jesus dying on the cross and being resurrected third day. That's impossible. Right? The virgin birth. Impossible. Everything, was, everything God touches isn't possible. We're praying God to touch the stuff that we can do that's possible. We wonder why we're not seeing or sensing God do something. Maybe our prayers are too small. Maybe they might be so small that we're insulting God because we, instead of we need to raise our bar. Come on, somebody. And believe God for the impossible. Impossible. I'm sorry. I got a joke going on in my head right now. I just got... I'm trying to bite my tongue right now. Help me, Jesus. I mean, everybody can look pretty to somebody, so that's still, it, it can, don't, don't feel bad if you don't feel you're pretty. I'm not looking at anybody because I'm not thinking of anybody, so. All right, forgive me. Do not forget any of his benefits who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases. Somewhere in the church world, we just thought, oh, God doesn't heal anymore. That's impossible. Well, good news. God does the impossible. God does the impossible. Say, God does the impossible. He really does. Oh, God used to heal. I know he can, but he doesn't do it anymore. That was left up for the, during the apostles and the early disciples days in the early church. We're still in church age. But can I give you, so let me, I'm going to approach this a little more of a teaching vibe today unless the Holy Spirit wants to change it around and he's welcome to do whatever he wants. He's the boss. But I want to give you four pillars why God still heals today. Now, we're not going to cover everything. I'm not going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, because people say, well, that... I'm going to, we're going to break it down to some basic elements why God still heals today. Why he still heals today. And I'm going to take it from this perspective because I'm, I, we have four. And uh, because I want us to think of a table. That will help us be our, our mental picture. Psalms 23, he says, God prepares a table. He prepares a table for us. Even in the midst of our enemies, which doesn't mean when we get to heaven. It means here on earth. Amen. See, God has a table preparing for me. Come on, say, God has a table prepared for me. And that table, most tables, no, not all, but most tables in your house will have four legs to it. So that'll help us remember. God has a table for us. Amen. And what does he put on the table? He puts on food. He puts on bread. Matthew 15, 26 says, bread is the 
is the healing, excuse me, healing is the bread for the children. Healing is bread for the children. Jesus said he is the man of the bread of life. He was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Four, four practical reasons why God still heals. Now, if you're dealing with a sickness today, that does not mean you're a bad person. Again, the goal is to let you know what is possible. Because we're all growing. We should never outgrow growth. And for some people, they might, oh, I'm great on the physical, but I'm dealing with maybe the financial challenges of life. Or I'm dealing with this area of life. And that's why we get into the Word and say, wait a minute, what does the Word say about this? Because if we don't know, God said my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And if you don't have the knowledge, you won't have hope for it. Expectation of something future you don't have today. And without hope, you can't have faith. Because Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is the substance of things. And that comes out of the Word, Romans 10.17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word. So the goal is not to condemn or convict or, or to make people feel awkward. The goal is to say, wherever you're at, Jesus is still the answer. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? In Proverbs 4, says the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter, which means wherever you're at, you're still not at the top yet. Right. We're all growing. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm growing. I'm growing. Four legs to the table. Why, God, why healing did not stop at the early church, why God still heals. Number one, because of God's character. Yes. Exodus 15, 26, says, God says, I am Jehovah Rapha, for I am the Lord that heals you. Yes. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord that heals you. He's a healer. Amen. Providers provide, deliverers deliver, healers heal. It's in his nature. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says. He is the healer. Psalms 103, verse 3. We just read it. He is the God who heals you of all diseases. He is a healing God. He is a healing God. He is a healing God. Now listen for the next few seconds on this. When you want to know the heart of the Father, look to the Son. Now let me give you scripture. Colossians 1 verse 15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the expression. If I want to see the heart of the Father, I don't go to an Old Testament story that's taken out of context and misquoted time and time again. And I've said this so much that I, I've taken slack from some people like, you've said that before. Of course, sometimes we need to hear it more than once. Well, you've used the same illustration because you still need to hear it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. But I can't tell you how many times I've heard people quote Job, and the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I've heard it at funerals. I've heard it in life. I've heard it when bad things happen. I've heard it when good things are happening. And the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And I'm telling you, it's not, are you listening to me? It's not truth. Now, I'm going to step on your toes and make some people frustrated, but stick with me for a few minutes. And if you disagree at the end, pray for me and I'll pray for you and we can still stay in the unity of love. But let me say it this way. Everything in the Bible is true. But not everything in the Bible is truth. Now I'm going to really make somebody mad. This is not heresy. When Peter was at the fire and the woman asked him, aren't you one of his disciples? Peter said, no, I don't know him. Is that true? Yes, it happened. Is it truth? No, he was lying. So everything in the Bible is true, but not everything in the Bible is truth. Peter says that for us to establish any doctrine or th uh, theological thought, we need two or three witnesses, okay? Someone could take that one passage of Peter denying Jesus and saying, look, and go through and try to preach that Peter was not a disciple of Jesus and use that as a point of reference. But in the big picture of it, it happened. It's true that it happened, but it wasn't truth. Peter knew who Jesus was and was a disciple. Do you see my point? Did Job say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away? 
absolutely, he did say it. But you have to understand the context. It's true that he said it, but Job is the oldest book that we have in what we call our Bible. It's the first one. It didn't happen the way we have it laid out. And later, Job repents for speaking of things that he did not understand. People will take the one verse out of context and have built a whole church doctrine around that. And then you walk around in life, don't know who you're fighting. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. So you get a job, thank you, Jesus. You lose your job, thank you, Jesus. And and. We don't understand the big picture of what's happening. And so instead of looking to Job or even the Old Testament, let's, if we want to know the heart of the Father, look to the Son. Look to Jesus. And Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Can I get an amen to that? And so the reality is, if you're wondering, well, you know, God will put cancer on you just to get glory. Where is that in the Bible? Well, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And they have taken stuff out of context and totally taken a one verse. Job said it. It wasn't truth. Let's find out what the truth is. Jesus is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but, but, excuse me, but by me. And Jesus said there is none good but one, and that's the Father. And so let's look to Jesus if we want to know the Father. Right? And you can't find a scripture where Jesus put cancer or leprosy or destroyed people for the glory of the Father. It's, there's no example. Jesus woke up and said, you're such a great servant. Boy, your faith is so great. Woman with the issue of blood. Now you can walk away with not only keeping that issue, but also I'm going to add a few things to it. It, it's not in there. Say it's not in there. And I don't know why we're communicating this way, but maybe sometimes we need that teaching vibe. Jesus taught, he preached, and he ministered. And so sometimes we need to understand the scripture line of what does the Bible say, because the devil will try to mess with all of us in our thinking, and will begin to whisper things that are not of God, and will act like they are from God. The Bible says that he will appear like an angel of the light, which means he will try to look religious and spiritual, and sometimes he works through people who are good people, but in the moment, they're not saying something that's of the the word of God. Can I get an amen? And if you don't think that's possible, let me give you a reference. When Jesus was talking to disciples and he said, who do men say that I am? And they were talking, he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the blessed one. And he said, Simon Barjono, flesh and blood or people haven't revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter was flying high. Peter is one of these guys. He's ready to jump out of the boat. He is flying high. And then Jesus begins to tell him he's going to Jerusalem and, and after a few days this is what's going to happen he's going to be he's going to be betrayed he's going to die on the cross and Peter decided that he was doing so good in the kingdom of Jesus that he was going to pull Jesus away and he pulled him away and said Lord we'll not let this happen to you and Jesus check it out and Jesus said get behind me Satan that's what you call going from the penthouse to the outhouse quickly He went from being elevated to being corrected. So even good people can say something that's not really from the word of God. And they don't mean bad. What does the Bible say? Colossians 1.15, that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1 verse 3, the sun is the radiance and only expression of the glory of our awesome God. Well, what about this person? What about Peter? I, I'm, not a, I'm not a Peter in. I'm a Christian. I'll follow Peter and Paul as long as they're following Christ. But the, Jesus is the example. If I want to know the heart of the Father, I look to the Son. He is the only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being, the brilliant light of the divine, and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his Father's essence. Make that short. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to see the Father, look to the Son. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with great power, and he went about doing good. Went about doing good. Went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with them. 
He went about doing good. What was good? Healing people. Well, if the Father was putting sickness on people and Jesus was healing people, then they were in conflict. But Jesus said, the works that I do are not my works. It's the Father doing the works. The words that I speak are not my uh, words. It's what the Father is speaking. I've not come to do my will, but the will of the Father. So what is the will of the Father? To do good. What is that good? Acts 10, 38. Healing all. Healing's available to all. The heart of the Father is to heal. Boy, it's understand how we can get this confused. Even if you live in or have dealt with the insurance company or work in the insurance field, I mean, if a tornado comes through, what do they call it? An act of God. It's called an act of God. And yet when Jesus walked this earth, when there was a storm, they woke him up in the boat. What did he do? He rebuked the wind and spoke peace to the waters. And if that storm was an act of God, he would be fighting his father. And he's not fighting his father because he is the, he's the only and complete expression of the essence of the father. Why is healing still available today? Because of God's character. Number two, why healing is still available today, not only because God's character, who does not change, he's a healing God, but because of God's covenant. Covenant means contract. Or another word in the church world, we say testament. Old Testament, New Testament. That means old covenant, new covenant. Old contract, new contract. We understand contracts, right? You sign a contract. And both parties are obligated to fulfill what is described in the contract. I didn't sign a contract. I know God did it, and he signed it for both of us. His side and our side. So all we have to do is not fulfill it, just receive it. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. I love that verse. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Matthew 8, 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. He did what? He took our infirmities. And he bore our sicknesses. Now, faith doesn't come because you've heard it. Faith comes because you keep hearing it. And when you keep hearing it, and keep it, it is a system. Let me put it this way so we're all on the same page. Physical conditioning to get in shape doesn't come because you went to the gym. It's because you keep going to the gym. Right? Have you ever heard... Have you ever heard someone saying, oh, that verse, I've heard that before. That's like saying, oh, that gym, I've been there before. Well, it tells me that you're not there too often. And if you're not there too often, you're probably not. Okay. Study for tests. Yeah, I studied once. That was seven years ago. Do you see the process? Faith comes, and it's a strategic process. If you're believing for finance, get scriptures on finance. If you're believing for peace, get scriptures on peace. If you're believing for joy, I need some joy in my life. Get some scriptures on joy and listen to them and read them and listen to someone preach about it and confess them and pray them. Hear. Faith comes by hearing. In the natural phase, it will make sense. It will look impossible. And the devil will try to get you to feel bad and judge you. But it's not about you. It's about the power of the word. And you got to get the word on the inside of you. And keep getting the word on the inside of you. And keep getting the word. Well, I've been dealing with this for a while. Well, great. But there is the possibility of an impossible miracle from a God who does the impossible. Don't give up hope. Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. When did he do that? On the cross of Calvary. 1 Peter 2.24. By whose stripes you were healed. Those lashes, that beating, he took 
Why? Because sickness is under the curse, Deuteronomy 28. Read Deuteronomy 28. When they were establishing this, God said, I'm going to give you uh, my word. If you obey me, here's what's going to happen. Here's the blessing. If you don't obey, you rebel, here's the curse. And the purpose of the curse is not to teach you. The purpose of the curse is lack is under the curse. The purpose of the curse is not to improve you. The purpose, the Bible says, and these curses will come upon you until you are destroyed. The purpose of the curse is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's tied to John 10.10. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Adam allowed, by selling out to the devil, he brought humanity under the curse. And Galatians 3 tells us, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. That's why Jesus went on the cross to become, to take that curse on himself of sin and sickness. It's quiet. You say, but I still deal with it. We will deal with it until we recognize by faith what's available to us and we begin Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 6 to begin to receive by faith what belongs to us. Amen. We're believing for the impossible. Yeah. I just don't want to see people get healed because they had a headache. I'm believing for people to c- come out of wheelchairs. Yeah. I'm believing for blind eyes to see. Yeah. I'm believing for people to be restored. I'm believing for some dead people to be raised. And we've had, I mean, the church has been around for over 60 years. My parents were pastors for almost 40. And I remember 35, 40 years ago, we had someone literally die in service. Sit there and all of a sudden, whoop, dropped over. And people got around and prayed for them. They called the ambulance. People prayed for them, and they came back to life. And so they were on the, they were traveling to heaven. All of a sudden, they heard people praying and got pulled back. Now, I don't want you to go look for somebody to kill so we can raise them. That's not the point. We're not looking for that. That's not what I'm saying. So I have to over-communicate sometimes. But I believe we can laugh, smile, and still see the power of God demonstrate in our lives. Do you know, sometimes we only think God, the power of God has to operate with an atmosphere of the confines of a church service or with a band playing or with a lot of energy. You can be praying for somebody in a workplace and not have any high energy and see the power. Maybe that's what the Holy Spirit's doing today. I don't know. So we, we, have, we have confined God to operate in terms and expressions that we've defined as this must be from God and this is how he works. But they could wake you up in the middle of a nap and you can calm a storm. Come on, somebody. God still heals because he is a character, and because of his character, he's a healer. Number two, because of his covenant. The covenant of salvation has not been done away with. The covenant of salvation has not been eliminated. Number three, God still heals today because of his word. Psalms 107.20, he sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all destruction. Proverbs 4.22, the word of God is life unto those that find them and health medicine to all their flesh. Listen, my friend, the word of God is just not an information book. It's just not a historical book. Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. You have to understand this in the hype of an emotional moment, but also in the depth of no emotion at all. That you can get a hold of the word when everybody's against you and you want to just quit. When you feel like thrown in the towel, you feel like there is no tomorrow. You don't feel an emotional goosebump, and you don't feel any spiritual goosebump. You feel like God's left you, even though the Word said He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But I'm telling you, get in the Word and keep meditating and watch as you read the Word. Don't start in Genesis. Start in the New Testament. Start in the Gospel of John. Get into Acts if you're talking about miracles. Get into the epistles, whatever it is, and read it and memorize it and listen to it and read it. Get it. Saturate and watch. Let the Word do what only the Word can do. What has happened in the church world is we try to do something and then we try to overwill it or fake it or try to, like, you know what I mean, and try to make something happen. Listen, you don't have to make it happen. You just participate in the process. Look to your neighbor and say, participate in the process. You don't have to force it. You don't have to will something. You don't have to try to be at peace. No, peace is a real deal. 
Joy is a real deal. The love of God is a tangible, real power and source. You don't have to force it and fake it and try to imitate it. You just got to participate in the process. If you participate in the process, get in the word. Jesus said, by words, they are spirit and they are life. One of the coolest uh, things you can learn in your walk with God is when you feel at the, the, the worst case, just start reading the word. Read it out loud. Keep doing it. How long do you do it? Until you sense something change. And wait a minute. This thing works. Pray in the spirit until you sense something change. Get, get into worship until all of a sudden you realize that this is not a gimmick. This is not a game. This is a real, tangible, powerful thing that God has given us access to. Well, I just don't see it. It's because you haven't participated in the process. Now, whatever the reason might be, maybe you're so left brain, you're like, well, it doesn't make sense. And if I don't understand it, I'm not going to do it. That's fine. But I'm telling you, it's available to you. The word works. Psalms 119, he has elevated his word above his name. He, it is so secure, established forever. He said, heaven and earth will pass away before my words will fail. Jesus is the word, John 1 in verse 14. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt amongst us. What am I doing? I'm telling you, you don't have to make it happen. Some of us, we're not participating in the right process. We're trying to take on God's role, and we're getting exhausted. Don't take on God's role. That Hebrews 4 says when you walk in faith, it's a place of rest, which means you're believing and you're resting knowing God is taking care of his side. I'm going to do my side, and I'm not going to. You can't save your nephew or your son or your daughter. You can't make them get saved. You do your part. You trust God to do his part. You can't raise somebody off the deathbed or cure them of cancer. Answer, you do your part. You let God do his part. What am I telling you? can't feel good about yourself after all those things have been said and done to you. And you've been rocked by life and been destroyed. Your self-image has been destroyed by people and the word spoken against you. You can't do it, but God can do it. Amen. Let the word do what only the word can do. Amen. Let the word do. You can't get your finances out of that intensity of debt, but God can. Let the word do what only the word can do participate in the process. God, I'm going to get in the word and I'm going to believe it. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to obey it and let the word do what only the word, the word carries power. The word carries power. The word, notice that verse again, it says that God's word is life unto those that find them and health. Another translation says medicine. The word is medicine. If you go to a doctor, and we're not against doctors. We love doctors. We got a lot of doctors around here that are members of the church. And you know what I mean? Good people. But if you go to a doctor and you say, doctor, I'm dealing with this. And they kind of assess the situation. And they said, okay, here's what you want to do. Here's a prescription. Go get it filled. And I want you to take two of these, one in the morning, one in the evening, for 21 days and call me after that and we'll see where you're at. You go get the prescription, you go up, you get it, you, uh, you go home, you take out the first one, you take it, you mark what the time is, you gotta make sure you take out the uh, take one that night, you get up the next day and you call the doctor. And the doctor says, can I help you? Yeah, I don't know what your problem is, this stuff's not working. What do you mean it's not working? I've taken it twice and it still hasn't changed anything. And the doctor's gonna tell you, cause some of you have been there before, you're laughing. And you know what the doctor's gonna say? Keep taking it. Give it time because the process that you're in will bring a change. Come on, somebody. Well, I've been to church once and I didn't see any change. You, you're, you just started the process. The power's in the word. Give it time. You don't get faith because you heard. You have faith because you keep hearing. You keep hearing. You, you get involved with this thing. You, be, you begin to take that word like medicine. Joshua 1, 6 to 10. You take it in the morning and you take it at nighttime, Joshua. God told Joshua, in the morning, evening, get in the word. But I'm so scared. Well, get in the word. I'm dealing with anxiety. Get in the word. I don't know what to do. Get in the Word. Stop all the major decisions that you're supposed to make and get into the Word until you have the mind of God, the peace of God, and you know the will of God. If you don't know it, don't jump. Say, so get, get in the Word. Jesus said, John 6, 60, John 6, verse 63, my words that they... The spirit who gives life, he is the life giving. The flesh conveys no benefit, whatever. There is no profit in it. The words, the truths that I have, that I'm speaking to you are spirit and they are life. Amen. Let the word do what only the word can do. Participate in the process. Last but not least, healing still happens today. 
Now, if people believe that it doesn't, that's, that's fine. We still love them. God still loves them. And they can still go to heaven. And when they get to heaven, they can get their healing in heaven. We don't judge people because we're all growing. I know I'm still trying areas of my life. I'm still growing and applying the word to and growing in faith. And the moment you get to a level saying, I got that salve, guess what? There's another giant in another level of promised land. And don't get worried about the giants. They're keeping the crazy people out. But if it's your inheritance, you have a right to take the giant out. So we're all growing. We're going to the next level. Say, I'm going to the next level. I don't get mad at people if they don't agree with the way I see the word. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. But even if I'm right, I'm not trying. I don't feel like I have to convince somebody to see it my way to confirm to me that I'm on the right path. I let the Holy Spirit reveal the word to me. And I just walk it out. Well, I don't believe in healing. Well, then that's fine. But just do me a favor. I just want people to be legit. I just want them to be real with themselves. If you don't believe in healing, don't go to the doctor. I believe God's putting sickness on this person just to get glory. Then why are they going to the doctor? This is just a question I'm asking that I can't get a resolve. Why take medicine? If you believe the pain's from heaven, why are you taking something that will eliminate or dull what heaven's sending to you? If you believe poverty comes from God, why do you go to work? Right? Let me help you out. If you really, 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 really believe that, then you're fighting against God. Well, they can't be. Just a simple question. I don't believe in prosperity. You don't believe? So when the, your boss pulls you in and says, you did a great job this year, we want to give you a raise, you go, how dare you talk to me that way? <laughs> I don't believe in increase. I love it when preachers don't, when preachers bash increase or financial blessings or prosperity. You know, and prosperity, people can take any truth to an extreme. I get it, I get it, I get it. But they'll, they'll preach against it, and after they get done, they'll take up two offerings. So you preach to people that they shouldn't have anything, and then you try to get them to give something that they don't have. And then you give them a 20-minute verbal lashing for not giving the first time, and now you got to take, how much was in the offer? Oh, we got to take up an offering. We'll do a change offering. I, I, I love people where they're at. I just challenge them to live where their conviction is. And if somebody believes that sickness comes from God, that's fine. I'll still love them. And they can wait to heaven to get that healing. But then, then don't be a hypocrite. Well, I'll just wait to get to heaven. You can, and God's cool with that. Or you can get it now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know what happens? Then you not only receive it by faith now, but you glorify God now. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. But also you can be used by God to demonstrate to others that God still heals and there's hope for them. God still heals because it's his character. It's his covenant. It's his word. Fourth point, God still heals today. Are you ready for the fourth one? Mark chapter 5. The woman with the issue of blood, I'll give you a little rundown. We've told this and used this verse enough. I think that people are familiar. The woman had an issue of blood. She spent all her money. Did not get better. But she heard that Jesus was coming, and she said within herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And there's some amazing teachings in there, but we'll skip it for right now. And she pushed through the crowd and came and touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and Jesus said, someone touch me. And Peter responded and said, Lord, by now, there's people everywhere. There's a lot of people bumping against you. And he said, no, there's something different about about this touch. Greg Bruce translation. Check it out in Mark chapter 5. There's something different about this touch because I felt virtue. I felt healing, the anointing leave me to go into somebody. And the woman recognizing what she had done and had received her healing, but was embarrassed because she was trying to sneak away, she came down and fell at the feet of Jesus and worshipped him and confessed and told what she did. Okay? So that's where we're at. Verse 34. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. 
go in peace, your suffering is over. Now you can look at other translations or whatever, and you know what it all says? Your faith has made you well. Take out, take out all the other things where the people say God doesn't heal anymore because, oh, 1 Corinthians 12, that was the Holy Spirit that gives the Spirit. And, the, and God still works that way. But take that out for a second. Take it out that his power doesn't do anything. Take, it out, take all that out. Say it's early church. For this person, all those things don't relate because what made her receive healing? Her faith. And if you're trying to tell me that God doesn't heal anymore at all, that means faith can't be active at all. And if faith's not active anymore, then we're not saved. Forget Hebrews eleven six. you can't please God. You can't even be saved because we are saved by grace through faith. Hmm. Hebrews 4, 2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. It didn't bring any change. Why? Because they did not mix it with faith in them that heard it. So when you hear it, if you don't mix faith and obey and trust God and do what God's shown you to do, then there's no benefit. Yeah. Unless you keep hearing it and keep hearing it and participate in the process and participate in the process. And eventually that word becomes alive to you by the Spirit of God. And then you'll rise up just like that woman says, wait a minute, I don't have to stay here. Like the prodigal son, wait a minute, I don't have to stay here. They all begin to move toward, why? Because a revelation that came from what they had known and heard. Do you see it? God still heals Amen. because he's a healing God. Yes, he is. And he hasn't changed. He has a healing covenant, New Testament, that has not been done away with. He is a word that brings health and life that still and will last forever. And because healing can be connected to our faith, which has not been eliminated. Say God, look to your neighbor and say, God still heals. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We're going to do something. Would you bow your head and close your eyes if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ? With no one looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, Pastor, I do not know about Jesus. I'm asking you, in the way you process, in the way you experience, in the way you understand, is Jesus Christ real to you in a way that you know for yourself that he's real and your Lord and Savior? If you don't, you can Revelation 3, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I'll come in. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is not a be a better person. This is not a self-help. This is, a, this is one of the greatest miracles. Having your sins forgiven and being born again. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you've never heard the gospel that God so loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins. Third day was buried for us. Excuse me, third day rose again for us and lives forever. Your sins can be forgiven. You can know him. You can go to heaven and not hell. You can have that guilt and the condemnation removed. It's all possible. Through a simple, short prayer. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know... Jesus that way, or, or maybe I used to know him, but I have a lot of stuff to come between me and God, and I know my heart's not right with God. If either one of those are you, pray this prayer with me. Let it come from your heart. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day, rose again for me, because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a brand new start. See, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the doors of my heart and the doors of my life, and I invite you in to be my Lord 
and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, so I know who I was praying with, I want to speak a blessing over you. But if you prayed that prayer, at the count of three, I just want you to stand to your feet. You don't have to come down. You just stay where you're at. We're going to celebrate. We're going to shout for you because the Bible says that heaven is shouting. Now, if you're like my temperament, I typically, you know I mean, which is weird given I'm a pastor and I preach, but if I'm in a different place, I don't like to stand up in front of people. That's just my temper. That's why we, get, we call hang out and hide out. We give people anonymity because that's just kind of what I, I like. But when it comes to Jesus, there's something about standing up for the Lord. And if it's hard for us to stand up for Jesus in a place where we just received him and people are celebrating, how do we stand up for Jesus in a world that is trying to mock and talk us out of serving Jesus? With every head bowed in there, I'm sorry, I was going to go a different direction. The Holy Spirit just stopped me. So to count of three, the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. I believe we are in a time in the last days we need a tenacity. And I'm going to speak a blessing over your life. Colossians 3 tells us that we can be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner person. So if you prayed that prayer, you meant business with God. At the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. Some of you are shy, so the bold ones, I want you to stand quick to help the people who are awkward or shy. At the count of three, one, two, three, stand to your feet. If you prayed that prayer, stand to your feet. I see the hand. Second, three, four, God bless you. Four, God bless you. Five, six, seven, God bless you. Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, God bless you. One in the back, 14. Come on, church, give me a hand clap. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Stay standing if you would. Stretch your hands toward them. First of all, let me say welcome to the family of God. This is an amazing thing. Father, I ask everyone who's standing, let them sense your love and our love today. We thank you for saving them. And Father, I ask you to give them, according to your word, strength, supernatural strength. Strengthen them with might on the inside so that as they leave this place today and they go into the routine of life, that they'll not bend their need to temptation or the pressure of the enemy or people that would try to talk them out of it, but they will stand and live for you, serve you with all their heart, their mind, and their strength. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we curse and bind every tactic of the enemy that's been used against them in their past. Every weapon that's been formed against them, we cancel the assignment of it. Every demon that's been haunting and taunting them, we curse and bind the assignment. And every person that's been in their inner circle that has discouraged them and tried to keep them from you, we remove them, Father God. And we ask you to send the right people into their life. We thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shouted, God bless you. You may be seated. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.